Hello and welcome to the Just In Stride podcast. I'm your host, Justin Pugliese. If you love endurance sports, you've definitely come to the right place. On this show, we'll talk to athletes, coaches, and professionals who can help us reach our true potential. Being a student of distance running for over 10 years and interviewing people in the sport for the last five, I've learned a ton, but there's always more to discover. Everyone has a story, and I know you'll resonate with each of our guests as we embark on this new journey together. Join us at home, on the road, or while you run. Together, we'll have some fun. So follow along on Instagram at JustInStridePod and your favorite podcast platform and prepare to be inspired. Come along for the ride with Just In Stride. This episode is presented by our friends at Exact Nutrition, a tasty and healthy way for you to fuel your body before, during, and after a solid training session. I can't leave the house without a few fruit bars in my pocket and they never make it back home. Exact is offering you 15% off your order when you use the code JUSTINSTRIDE. So head to exactnutrition.com and fuel your goals today. Movement can come in many forms. The variety is what keeps things interesting and fun, even if it's all within the same sport. I think that's what I love so much about my triathlon days. The excitement of training in different disciplines for one event always kept me guessing. On today's episode of Justin Stride, I broke things down with an elite runner and mountain running world champion, Grayson Murphy. She got into soccer growing up, but switched over to competitive running because it was a way to make new friends while still having that team aspect. Today, Grayson competes at an elite level on the road, on the track, and on the mountains too. She holds US national titles, world titles, and looks to add the Olympics to a growing list of big goals, but always tries to keep it fun as you might guess by her catchphrase, airplane arms, or you're doing it wrong. Hey, Grayson, welcome to Justin Stride Podcast. Thanks for accepting the invite. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, so you're coming off a pretty big event. Um, it definitely flashed up on my radar, uh, world, champ, mount, world mountain champ. Um, and like, can you just maybe now that time has gone by a little bit like how you know your emotions setting in kind of after that yeah it was a crazy week um we were there for almost two weeks because the two races were so far apart and then getting all the jet lag and stuff so it was really nice to get home and just kind of like relax with my family um and take a breather for a second so this last week I was back into training but I did take a full week of like pretty low training and just enjoyed time with family. And I think that helped kind of like the come down from the craziness that was at Worlds. Right. So can you, for people that don't know what like mountain running is or this type of event, I know, you know, people are really familiar with marathon. It's more, I think, promoted and all this stuff. Can you kind of maybe describe like how that event kind of plays out a little bit. And you mentioned jet lag too. Like, is that something you do like show up early and kind of get used to the, the time change as well? Yeah. Yeah. So people, um, there's like a rule of thumb. Some people want to get there one day early per hour. Um, but I feel like that's a little unreasonable when you're like, I was traveling from Arizona to Austria. So that's nine hours. So I can't get there nine days early, but um, <laughs> everyone definitely tries to get there. A good amount of time early like at the bare minimum three or four days because it does take a couple of days to get over jet lag and if you want to race well um, you need to not be thinking that it's like eight hours later in your body and then 
the so this is the second year they've combined mountain running and trail running world championships. The first year was last year in Thailand. So there's four events over four days. There's the vertical race, 40K, 80K, and then the classic race. Um, I think it's really cool. Like typically they were two separate events on different dates in different locations. And now we get four teams all in one place from each country, which is pretty neat. And I think the hype is a lot bigger for it just because it's easier to promote like something like that as opposed to two separate events. Um, yeah, it was my first time doing it that way. The first year I ran in One Worlds was 2019, and it was just the classic race, standalone. There was nothing okay. else. So it was cool to have the team there, but then – or sorry, there was a long-distance race too, but it was only 40K which this time was called the short trail. <laughs> okay. You know, it's a marathon. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so it was just cool to have, like, the, all of the team there and supporting each other through the four days. And how does that team ap- aspect work? You guys take on different, uh, like, events, or is there a relay race there, there as well? Or No relay, but every country can send or enter up to five people per event, and then you're scored as teams as well as individuals so um every event also has a team score some of them work like cross country where it's your place is your score but then in the 80k i think just the 80k it was your cumulative um time so they added like all the times together for the top three people um and that was your team score was like your team time so it was pretty fun. It's like an added element of competition. And if you saw the 80K finish, they were sprinting to the finish together, um, like literally sprinting after 80K, just because they were, it was down to like seconds trying to beat France for first. And so they were just trying to like cut down on the overall score, even though the places were the same. Um, so that was pretty cool. And it just, it makes everyone feel like more of a true team and the camaraderie over the week is pretty fun. For sure. And and how did you like strategize going in for yourself? Like personally, would you say? Um, just to do my best <laughs> in my events, the place is what matters. So if I could win or be top three, then basically like the lowest place you can get the best for the team. So that was my personal goal, not for the team really, but um, yeah. it just happened to help the team score. It's kind of got that cross country feel a little bit, you know? Yeah, it's fun. And so this team that, that got put together, uh, are they are they people that you are familiar with already? Or like uh, people you train with? Or you kind of just are coming from different places and the team's assembled and then you go? Well, you have to qualify. So USA's was held in April for the vertical and classic race. Um, the top four from each race qualify. You froze a little. Um, yeah, so you have to qualify. So that was at Sunapi this April, and they take the top four. It's U.S. championships. So everyone goes to that hoping to qualify for Worlds, and then top four get to go. Um, so I do know most of the people, but just because Rachel lives nearby in Williams and I'm in Flagstaff most of the time. And then Allie is a friend and I feel like the circle is just so small. Everyone 
is already friends, which is nice. <laughs> yeah, and fun to get away too, right? I'm sure like being in Europe and experiencing a different place too together. Did you have time to enjoy the surroundings as well? A little bit. Um, we went to the Swarovski Crystal Museum, which was like my, on my bucket list. <laughs> I thought that was pretty cool. I like sparkly things. Um, but most of the time we just kind of were training and trying to lay low. Yeah, for sure. So how did this one feel different than than the one you, you competed in in 2019? Um, it, it, that was your debut mm -hmm. and, you know, big win there as well. Um, so how did they compare and how were they maybe different? How Maybe different feeling for you? Um, the team aspect was a big difference, which is cool. And I was a lot less nervous this time going into it just because I've been there once before already and kind of know what how what it's like and what to expect um this race was pretty a unique layout i would say it was 50 percent tarmac and only 50 percent trail which was interesting for being a mountain race and it was two loops the other course was one loop um so there's different tactics involved i think but overall i was a lot less nervous and more excited to be there and I was injured last year, so having this kind of finally happen. I was supposed to be on the team last year, too. Um, that was a big, like, big bummer <laughs> yeah. to have to pull out of that. So it was fun to finally get to do it after waiting so long. And then getting to do it in two events was cool, too, because last time in 2019, I just did the classic race. Um, so having, like, two chances to prove yourself was better i thought <laughs> <laughs> yeah also maybe you know is it more tiring too because you know uh, yeah. i think a little i think well in the moment i think you don't realize you're just like um you're just on the whole time so you don't realize how tired you are but then on sunday when it all ended i was like oh man i'm pretty <laughs> tired yeah <laughs> yeah okay that's great so that injury that you had how did you you know you said it was a big you know, anytime you got to pull out of a competition, I think it's tough for, for all athletes, let alone like professional runners like yourself. How do you, how do you, how did you get through that and, you know, move forward after? Um, it was tough. Like there were lots of hard days for sure. And I'm glad I have my family and my fiance's like a support system for that. I couldn't have done it without them. Um, but it was also kind of a strategic play because we knew that eight months later it was going to be happening again in other worlds and I probably could have run through that injury for Thailand but I didn't want to miss another one or show up to like the next world's hurt as well so having that in mind kind of helped too where it was like okay you just have to get through eight months it's not four years later um now we are on track. That was still a COVID year. Thailand mm -hmm. was postponed. So now it is every other year. So I think had the same thing happened this year, I probably would have run through it because it's two years to the next one. Um, but I think having that carrot like helped me focus on something and get through the winter and just keep trying to get healthy, um, getting stronger. So that was the only thing I was like tunnel visioned on for the last couple months. Yeah, it gives you that goal, right? So mm -hmm. something at the end to kind of 
okay, I got to skip this, but at least I know it's coming up. And, right. Yeah. yeah. So, so how, how did you get stronger? Like, did you, this type of, you know, injuries for everyone are, are different. Was this something you feel like you could have prevented? I know, like, again, as professional athletes, it's like, you guys are going, 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 you have these, these goal races and becomes really important, but at a certain point, you know, you got to take care of your, yourself too. So is it something you had experienced before? And um, like, how do you avoid that down the line? Yeah, it was a really weird injury. Um, and I've never experienced anything like it before. It was like nerve pain. And I don't know that there's a ton like biomechanically you can do to prevent nerve pain. Um, we're st I still don't know like what caused it, but I know what fixed it. And that was just a lot of work in the gym training basically my body to like reuse the nerve paths that seemingly had become damaged. So I'm not sure how to prevent that in the future, but I've just continued to do what healed it, hoping that that will keep it from coming back. Yeah. Um, I think like there could be an argument for overtraining, maybe like your overall nervous system breaking down and just kind of getting fried. So um, training has not been as intense as it was last year leading up to that. And I think that helped. I was with a different coach too. So I think there's just like a lot of things maybe that went into it that with the nerve stuff, I feel like nerves are tricky. You oh, don't yeah. quite know what they're doing. You can't see them. So it's hard to like understand exactly what's going on. But maybe with this weight training too, now you're, you're supplementing maybe uh, the intensity with some, something else, which is, you know, maybe giving a better, better balance. You feel that way or. Um, I think it's just overall, like, I think last year the training was more like 5k, 10k focused. And this year it's been like 10k half marathon. So the like pace, it, the speed that you're running, it might be more volume, but it's less speed. And I think for whatever reason, my body just responds better to that. Okay. Okay, good. Mm -hmm. And what, what sparred the, I always like asking about coaching changes and like how you select a coach, especially at your level. Like it's, you've been doing this for a while. You, you know what you're, what you're doing, but you know how that works in the selection process. And, you know, it's different for everyone, of course, but I'm always curious about that. Yeah. Yeah. I guess the coach that I was briefly with for just a couple months last year, um, I think we just realized I wasn't a good fit in terms of like what I wanted to do and personalities and training stuff. And then um, the coach I'm with now, I was already with a couple years prior for mountain stuff. He's David Roach. He's like one of the most well-known mountain running coaches and trail. He just had a bunch of people do well at Western States, which is cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he's just, yeah, one of the best out there. And uh, I worked with him before, so I knew that that was like already a good setup. So I went back to him because I realized this year I wanted to be more trail focused as opposed to track and road as in the past. Okay. And then how do you know that like from year to year? I mean, I, I read that, you know, that you're into road, track and trail, like, and you're being competitive in, in all facets where a lot of athletes, maybe they're just, they're going for the marathon or they're going for one particular distance. So why that choice? Um, I think it's fun. <laughs> yeah. And I don't feel like there's a reason to pick one if I can do them all. 
um, and be competitive at them all. So they're different too, which is nice because I can get bored easy. So it's nice to be able to like mix it up and if like trails feeling kind of stale, then hop on the road and throw in some track stuff too. Um, it depends on what's going on in the year too. Like this year was a world year. So I made the decision to make it more trail focused where next year there is no trail world. So maybe I'll make it more road or track focused. Okay. And is that always coming from you, would you say, or does your coach have some input too in, in kind of like how you plan the schedule? Um, no, it's me. I mean, like I'm (laughs) driving the ship and they're like, I'll tell them where I want to go and then they can make suggestions. But, um, yeah, they're just like my support system and mentors and they're not my boss, which I've had that situation my first year out of college too. And for me, that just doesn't work because running is, it is my job, but it's also something I do for fun. So it can't be like a coworker or boss employee relationship it needs to be more wholesome (laughs) right yeah Yeah. more like organic and Mm -hmm. you got to listen to your athlete and similar you know you got to respect what the coach is saying too right right Mm -hmm. so take us back a little bit to like a younger you like did you grow up as a runner did you like what were you interested as a kid and and kind of how did you get to that point you know Yeah, I didn't start running until my sophomore year of college. Um, I was 19, and I played soccer growing up. And then I played soccer my freshman year of college for a different college. And then I transferred and didn't want to play soccer anymore, so walked onto the track team, and the rest is kind of history. But me and my – I have a twin sister. We were really active as kids, so um, while we weren't training, like looking back – I'm like, oh, we were like all over the place. We were (laughs) doing all the sports that our parents would let us do. Um, We biked everywhere. Didn't run really, but like we're running around for games and stuff. So it was like hidden, I think, in all the activities that we were doing. And we both just love being outside and being active. So I think that like played into helping keep us healthy, but also fit. Um, for kind of whatever we wanted to do later. Right. And why the split? Why the breakup with soccer? I, I had something similar happen to me. So uh, I think soccer is oh. a great base for running. Yeah. And I, I realized that talking to more and more runners that like, you know, I, I well, hockey and soccer for me, but yeah, I kind of gave that up and said like, if I'm going to start running, I can't like have my ankles and knees in jeopardy here. Oh yeah. Yeah. I can see <laughs> that. <laughs> um, for me, it was, I just was pretty burnt out of soccer and soccer in the collegiate system wasn't the same as the club team that I was on in growing up in high school team which I thought was just the most fun I've ever had um it just wasn't the same and I was kind of over it and I'd been working so hard at this one goal and then realized like oh maybe this isn't all that there is for me um just kind of shifted. I transferred schools too. So it was kind of like a fresh beginning in all senses. And I was like, well, I'll try something new, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) And how did that go? Like, was it an instant love with running or, you know, did you have some growing pains? Yeah, I approached it with a lot of curiosity and I was there for fun and to make friends. So it wasn't like a judgment 
per se on the sport, but it was hard at the beginning. I mean, it's still hard. It's hard every day, <laughs> but it was particularly hard um, at the beginning and I didn't have the right equipment. I had no idea like training philosophy. I knew nothing about, I didn't know about races. Like I went to my first cross country race and I had to ask the coach how we started because I'd never even seen a race like that. Um, and my teammates were like, why is she on our team? <laughs> but I was still good. Like I was our first score in cross country that year. Um, so I think that like eased their frustrations with me not knowing like what shoes to wear or that uh, GPS watch was a thing. Mm -hmm. um, so they were great actually. And they, I can't thank those teammates enough and those coaches for teaching me pretty much everything about running <laughs> right yeah i think you changed their mind pretty quick right yeah and so you know did you realize a, pot a potential in yourself like do you have that ability to say like no i'm good at this or was it a coach or parents or friends that told you hey like like you know maybe that's not just driven by results but that you could actually take this somewhere i think i kind of realized myself well i just like, improved so exponentially that first year that I was surprising everyone including myself um and the coaches were always really supportive too and they're like you're really good at this so I think after the first year I was like oh I'm pretty good at this but it wasn't until the second year that I realized or even knew that running professionally was a job that you could have <laughs> I didn't know people did that or got paid for that um so that's kind of when I thought oh maybe I'd like to do more with this but I also just wanted to do more at the collegiate level so I transferred after the second year to Utah where I ended up finishing um, just for more resources and a scholarship because I wasn't on a scholarship at Santa Clara and I thought well at the very least I can get two years of school paid for with this newfound talent um, and that would be amazing so I think kind of it was a process, but also kind of deep down, I knew that's where I wanted to get to eventually. Mm -hmm. To be professional. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. And, and, and all the while, like you were studying something that you, you might be able to use later on in life. Yeah. I studied civil engineering, um, which was fun. I like math and I love school. So I, yeah, picked a hard major. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> Um, and so like, well, you like math, so you like the numbers too, I guess, of, of, mm -hmm. of running and splits and stuff like that. So, yeah, oddly enough, I think that's why I don't like track very much. Um, I think I like road and trails more because it's not so black and white and it's not all about the numbers or the splits and there's just a lot more variables, which can be bad, but also it's a little liberating, at least for me to have like more gray area. And I'd rather be dealing with that than the track where like you either hit a time or you don't. And so it's either a win or a lose. Um, I'd rather have more to juggle. <laughs> yeah, totally. I think it takes the, like, the stress out of yeah. it too, you know, mm -hmm. like when we're just so focused on the numbers, you can't let yourself mm -hmm. kind of flow. And also I think by not knowing what the numbers are, sometimes you surprise yourself and hit these 
these new uh, your new a new potential. Yeah. You know, if you're limited by numbers, that that can be, you know, a challenge for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, have you ever have you always had like a good relationship with running? Because I know sometimes in school it can get tricky. You know, and and you hear stories like that. But um, would you say it's always been a positive relationship? Um, for the most part, I think I'm I'm human though, so I go through like phases like everyone else probably where you have weeks or months where you're like this isn't that fun right now um you're just not enjoying it 2020 was pretty hard I'm sure everyone would say that but at the end of 2020 I was like what am I doing because I my job was to race but there were no races and I felt like I was just kind of a waste of a human like I wasn't contributing to the greater good by just training and not doing anything. Um, so that was kind of hard. And it's taken a couple years to find like peace in that and then how I can contribute to my community and be more than just a person that has race results. Yeah. And I mean, the pandemic, let's face it, was difficult for, for everybody. Did you, I mean, and just finding um, meaning, like you're saying, like, can you draw any any positivity from from that very difficult situation too? Maybe a change of mindset or perspective? Yeah, I think it was a learning experience. Um, and I know like maybe I, I wasn't hating running. Looking back, it wasn't like running. It was the overall like life circumstances, I think. But I was taking out on running. And so now when I start to feel like, oh, the running's not fun, I make sure I like check myself before I wreck myself. And I'm like, is it running or is it like something outside of running? And you're just kind of taking it out on running. Um, and I learned to like, I can train by myself and I enjoy that, but not all the time. That was a pretty valuable lesson. Um, so yeah, there were some good things that came out of it. I'm sure everyone kind of feels similar, but Definitely wasn't everyone's first choice of how 2020 was going to go. Yeah, no kidding. And, <laughs> and would you say like you're, you're, you prefer to train with people or like a healthy mix of both is good? Maybe like workouts with people and easy run solo or? Yeah, I think a good mix. Um, kind of sprinkle in people here and there. It's hard because the way I train is a little bit unique um, with the track and road and trail stuff. So I kind of have to be more of a free agent and kind of like insert myself in different, if it's like a road workout, go find road people to work out with. But if it's a trail day, go find trail people. And sometimes no one is available. So then I have to be okay working out alone too. So I think just being flexible has been the key. And then my motto has turned into like, if no one's my teammate, then everyone is my teammate. Meaning like (laughs) I'm not on the team formally but that means I can make everyone my teammate um and just kind of be flexible with it yeah for sure and, and like I know I read too that you bounce around from like your hometown and Bozeman and Salt Lake yeah like does it depend on like the time of year or is it like is that strategic for you um, and you said you also mentioned um Arizona too so yeah that's more I guess just life circumstances my Fiance is a professional Nordic skier, so he's in Bozeman. So that's why I come up here to see him. And then in the winter when he's in season, there's not really reason for me to be up here because he's probably gone in Europe racing anyway. So then 
I'll be in Salt Lake where my family is or Flagstaff um, where it's just good training. And yeah, it just kind of depends on like where other people are. And then I follow them. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to have to have him on the podcast yeah. too. I hope you don't <laughs> mind. Him up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is that challenging for you guys? Like, or is it a good balance? Like I know athlete to athlete relationships are sometimes difficult, especially at a professional level. Yeah, it's hard. I think just the long distance part is hard. Like um, we'll go months without seeing each other and then see each other for like a week. And or now we've got three weeks together and in the spring we got a month together. So I think just the long distance relationship anyone would tell you is not ideal, but we're both doing what we want to be doing and chasing something cool. So I think we've both realized like it's worth it for that. And um, there will be an end to it. So we just have to get through this time and then we'll get time together. Yeah, for sure. And also like support somebody in a different kind of atmosphere too you know it gives you something else to talk about yeah. other than just running or just skiing it's just like uh-huh. this crossover this crossover a bit are you doing a bit of skiing yourself too have you i do yeah. yeah it is fun i joined a nordic local nordic ski team in flagstaff this winter and i did some races and that was pretty fun <laughs> oh yeah and mm-hmm. how'd you do I won. <laughs> <laughs> of course you did. <laughs> I have a good Wait. teacher. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. And would you call yourself like a really competitive person? Like when you're going out and racing, I mean, obviously as a professional, it's better if you're winning, but you know, is the goal always to, to win and how do you handle, you know, defeat? Yeah, I guess I'm competitive. I think I'm more competitive with myself than with other people in the moment in the heat of the moment usually I'm thinking like how much faster can I run not can I beat this person um I think that helps with like road and trail stuff and I don't think it was as useful in track because I think track is a little more head-to-head combat um so yeah I guess it's kind of fun but I try and like tone it down too and outside of actual race scenarios I don't like to be overly competitive about things I get competitive with board games um, (laughs) (laughs) but like I try not to be like that person I like to be like someone you want to hang out with that's not trying to like compete with you at the coffee shop for some reason yeah just like have fun with it kind of thing yeah Mm -hmm. not take it even though you have to be serious about the work you're putting in not take yourself or it too seriously yeah Mm -hmm. and i saw i read a piece too on like these these airplane arms that you that you wrote and i i love that i love that um the origin story of the airplane arms do you want to maybe share that a little bit but you know at the end of it it's like it's coming from more of a place of of um you know a lot of the times we get wrapped up in this this run game or whatever we're we're in and we lose that, uh, that child's play in ourselves. Um, and I thought that was really great. You want to maybe talk yeah. about that a little? Yeah, I always say airplane arms or you're doing it wrong. And it kind of came, there was a run I did here in Bozeman, actually. And I just was having so much fun on the run that I was doing airplane arms on the switchbacks because I feel like that's the best time to do airplane arms. <laughs> um and I realized like, oh, if I'm not doing this like every run or most runs, I'm not doing this right because 
at the end of the day, for me, at least running is supposed to be fun and kind of like you said, an outlet and child's play and getting back to like your true self. And uh, if I'm not like spontaneously doing airplane arms because I'm having so much fun doing it, then maybe I'm taking it too seriously. And I think actually that was right during COVID or right after COVID um, when I had struggled with like the meaning of running for me too. So I've kind of held on to that because it feels natural. And now I can be like, if the run is sucking or I feel like I'm going too slow, um, I can kind of pull myself out and be like, just do airplane arms. Um, Either literally do it or just think about doing it and think like at the end of the day, it shouldn't be that serious, even though it is my job, but it shouldn't be taking it that seriously. Right. And then what is, what is the meaning of running for you? I think, yeah, just joy or experiencing joy and fun and being happy. Um, The competitive aspect is fun, certainly, and winning is fun. But I think you do a lot of not winning. Like, I'm not going out every day on training runs winning. Um, So most of the time, 98% of the time I'm running, it should be just something I'm doing for fun Uh, because I also do it a lot. So if it's not fun, that's a lot of like unsustainable time that I'm spending doing something I don't like. Um, so it kind of, for, yeah, needs to stay in the fun category for me. Yeah. I think it comes down to also like, if you're not enjoying the process, like mm-hmm. they say, like trust the process, yeah. there's a lot of process talk yeah. in, in running, um, that you're maybe doing it for the wrong reasons, mm-hmm. you know, it's results come years and years and years yeah. down the road. Um, speaking of like down the road, like what, like you, I, you know, you mentioned like your wildest running dreams, like what, what's your, how do you envision your career looking? Is it going to be, do you think you're going to go more in the trail direction? Do you think you'll, you'll run, you know, halves and marathons? Like, I know you like to mix it up, but do you have like a, a big picture idea of what, of where you want to, where you want to um. go? I think I'll just keep doing the mix that I've been doing. I don't see a reason to change or stop that. And I enjoy it. And I have big goals on the road and I have big goals on the trail. And I don't feel like I want to compromise one for the other. And I don't think I need to either. So, um, yeah, I think I'll just keep doing the same thing. And mostly just what I want out of my career is that it was fulfilling for me and that it hopefully made a difference with someone too. Um, I'm hoping that more people will realize they can do trail and road. And they don't have to pick and that that's not like everyone's first question. Uh, and also that like mountain running is an ultra running because people love to ask me that question too. Um, but I don't think like mountain running is not a means to an end to get to ultra running for me. Like I like mountain running for what it is. And I don't think you need to be like Western States isn't everyone's goal. But I think people just don't realize that there's a whole world outside of 100-mile races that matter too. So I think maybe proving those two things and then just being fulfilled personally, which can come in a lot of forms. So the airplane yeah. arms is one. Airplane <laughs> yeah. arms, yeah. And I think, yeah, I think you bring up a good point. Like I'm, I'm running marathons, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, I do like running trails, but like automatically my brain – 
I mean, I've ran 65K races before, you know, it's oh, yeah. maybe no longer stuff, but automatically my brain goes to the 100 mile. But I think mm-hmm. to your point, like there's, there's this, there's, there's that whole gap, you know, that you're, that people are missing. It doesn't have to be a hundred. It can be, yeah. you can hit the trails and do twenties. You can do forties. You can, mm-hmm. and I think that's maybe you think it's gaining popularity a little bit because of races like Western States, but like maybe more accessible for beginners. Yeah, I think so. And I think it's definitely more of an issue in the U S in Europe. They're like very aware of mountain running. Italy has a mountain running team like year round. Um, They have more races that are mountain and sub ultra. So I think it's kind of a U.S. issue that hopefully we're shedding some light on and like just making people aware that there's more that you can do than just ultras. But it is more accessible to be like, oh, come run this 10K. Um, You don't have to train for six months you can just hop in and see if you like it as opposed to Western States. You can't just hop into a hundred mile race, like with no training. So I think it is more accessible and hopefully people will realize that it doesn't have to mean that you're going to ultras too. You can stay in the sub ultra category. Right. Is is that on your list? Maybe one day, like a Western States. Maybe in the very, very distant, future 10 years from now maybe (laughs) yeah (laughs) and what about like uh, olympics anything like that you have aspirations for for that yeah i'll do the olympic trials again um this coming february for the marathon and yeah i i think that will be fun i think i'm more interested in like running the majors than making an olympic team um just for i think it's more fun and then hopefully I'm hoping they'll add mountain running as like an exhibition event in 2028. We've got a good case and a lot of people are within world athletics and WMRA are kind of pulling for that. So hopefully we can get that added too. Are they kind of lobbying for that to become an event? Yeah. For LA. Um, We think it should be the vertical because people seem to be really into the vertical race at worlds. It was digestible for most people because you could just point up and be like they're running to the top of that and people can kind of comprehend that where I don't I can't even comprehend what running 100 miles is like um and it's short enough vertical races usually take between 30 and 50 minutes so it's like a short enough thing that it could be televised and within people's attention span and it doesn't have to take all day or 15 hours to run and then Hopefully that's like a good gateway to get people interested in mountain and trail running. Yeah, because that's uh, that's something you you bring up a good point. Like you want to watch like a hundred mile race. It's like you're going to be sitting there for at least yeah. you know, 14, yeah. 15 hours. And that's, you know, that's if your favorite runner comes to the finish. Like right. First, right? <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, it's much longer than that. So mm-hmm. that's uh, that's it. Where, where do you see like um, where do you see the sport going? Like, I know that, that you're like, you're kind of, uh, I don't know, you seem like an ambassador for, for the sport. Like you've kind of taken it on your own and, you know, where do you see it going? And yeah. That's I, of- I hope that it continues to get more competitive and that more people 
want to do it. I think in the past, even when I started just four years ago with trail stuff, it felt like people thought that was an afterthought. So like once you got too slow on the track or the road, oh, then I'll do trails Um, because it's for slow people. And my hope is I've proven over the last four years that it's not for slow people. You still like it is advantageous actually to be fast and do it. Um, and that you don't have to give up trail or track and road stuff just to do trail stuff. Like, I think if you want to run a hundred miles, you start to get into, you're going to lose some speed territory, I think. Um, but if you're keeping it sub ultra, like 50 K and less, I think you're fine and you can train for marathons, half marathons, 10 Ks, and then still be really good on the trail too and vice versa. Yeah, I'm sure the the trails also helps your road stuff too. Mm-hmm. Um, the climbing and gives you a different kind of uh, cardio and a different kind of fitness mm-hmm. as well. So yeah, that, that's uh, that's going to be beneficial to your to your road stuff also. So that's so, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, are you coaching at all or? No, I don't coach. No. Yeah. No. No. <laughs> but you have these uh, training logs and planners that you do, right? I do. Uh huh. Yep, that's my version of coaching, I guess. It's all about <laughs> like encouragement. <laughs> so what what's behind that? Um, so I started I made one for myself, like hand drawn, just I was bored uh five, six years ago now. And then people were asking where I bought it. So then I thought, ooh, I'll I'll make one for you. <laughs> um and it's just been every year since this was the fifth edition. And I've just kind of like tweaked it every year and it's finally to a point I think where this year it won't be much different. Um, But it's just a fun way. It's a fun business venture for me. Um, I've always had like an entrepreneurial spirit. Even when I was a kid, like lemonade stands and we were always trying to like make a business. So I like that aspect of it and I've learned a lot too because I definitely, like I said, did not study business in college. So it's been fun to learn something totally outside of what I studied. And then it's been a fun way to connect with people too, outside of like race results. And that's part of my thing too, with like how I'm contributing to the running community as a whole. Um, I can give them this and like connect with people on a base level outside of like race results only and training only. And that's been really helpful. And there are mental health, um, components in there and just like fun things that look at you as a holistic person and not just a runner and that's been a fun way to like show myself but also connect with other people yeah so you created this as a way to like kind of help yourself and i mean i can mm-hmm. i could definitely use one and i'm not a great planner I'll get you one, yeah <laughs> <laughs> by any means um but that's kind of how it, I mean, and a lot of businesses start that way, right? Like mm-hmm. you find a need for yourself and then someone's like, oh, that's cool. And you're yeah. like, like you said, you know, really? I'll make you one. <laughs> yeah. And then you find that like, it's going to help way more people. Um, so was that created as a, like I said, a way for, for you to kind of plan or sort through life? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had always, in college, I always had like the academic planner that they give to you for free at the beginning of the year. And then I had like a training log too, because I wanted to keep track of training. And I like Strava also, but I think there's something to be said for writing down your training and 
with notes and not just like all the data parts because I don't know that data numbers don't adequately capture training a lot of the time. Uh, but I wanted it all in one place because I was sick of carrying around like two books. And I felt like there are times when I'm really busy in life and that can definitely impact training, but I would be missing that. So now in mine, they're like right next to each other for each day. And I feel like it helps me see, oh, if I'm really busy and then training sucked that week, maybe it's for a reason outside of training. Like maybe it's because I was really busy in life and I think that's even more poignant for people that have full-time jobs and maybe you're a nurse or a doctor and you're on your feet all day or a teacher and I think having that visual is pretty good and then it's easier to be easy on yourself when mm -hmm. it comes to like oh am I tired and why so what and so what kind of things can people put in here what what would be something that you would put in there because I find it really interesting I think like like you said, I'm a Strava guy. I put mm -hmm. I just want to know the numbers for my week, just yeah. roughly, whatever. Um, or how workouts went. You know, if I'm trying to get through a workout, maybe try and do it more on feel and then look at my numbers later to kind of see if it's reflective, but also give some thought to how my week was. Did I get some good sleep? So is that yep. all kind of stuff you're adding? I think this is great for people, beginners, elites. I think it's an awesome tool. Yeah. Yeah. So the general setup is Every day, there's a week on the page, um, well, two pages when you open it. So every day has a life section and a training section. And it's meant, like for me, I'll usually put in the life section like meetings or podcasts or just stuff I have to do in life that's not training. And then in the training section, I put what I did for training that day. And then there are totals monthly and weekly and daily. Um, so you can still get your numbers fixed and they're habit trackers and graphs on for every month too. So you end up creating basically a Strava graph, but by paper and yourself. And I like to track like miles and cross training hours and compare the two graphs. Um, and then habit trackers, it might be sleep or water or gym days or cross training days, um, core uh, hurdle work if you're steepling like I was so just stuff like that where that's not stuff that you do track on Strava normally but it is helpful to know uh, and if you have a bad session you can look back and see like oh like maybe this is why or if you get injured you have like a whole lot more to look at than just numbers to try and figure out what happened mm -hmm. uh, yeah and I could definitely use the water the water yeah <laughs> That's really good. And do you find yourself going back a lot to see, to reread? Yeah. Yeah. I like, uh, like when I was injured, I did kind of dive in deeper and like, was is there anything like any big red flags that I missed or um, what happened? And I think with women too, like tracking your cycle and comparing that to how you feel can be a good way to realize like it was a day out of your control, maybe that you just felt bad. Um, and that's totally okay. So I think having that stuff and there's just a lot more, we're humans and there's a lot going on and it's really hard to put it all into numbers. And I think you really can't. So having that extra bit of information is nice and writing it down is nice. And sometimes I just go back to see like, what was I doing last year on this day for fun? Um, just to see. So <laughs> yeah, it's a fun process, I think. 
um, I'm going to ask you a question just about the feedback you get, but what do you do for fun? <laughs> for fun? Um, outside stuff. Yeah, I have a problem finding hobbies that aren't active outdoor <laughs> things. <laughs> anything. I'll do anything outside. I've decided when I was injured and like couldn't really do too much, um, I could paddleboard, which is nice. But I decided one of my hobbies was going out to eat because mm. I really like food and I really enjoy good food and finding new restaurants. And I decided that was a perfectly fine hobby to have. And I will gladly spend my money on good food. Yeah, you need fuel, right? <laughs> yeah. You need the good fuel. So yeah. what are you after? What do you? What's your go-to um, in terms of nutrition? Um, I'm pretty like just all everything works to try and get enough too. That's kind of my first goal is get enough of things. And then once you have enough calories, then you can start tinkering with like the nutritional part. But I think basically what I like is like a lot of beans and rice and vegetables and bowls. And luckily that happens to get me most of what I need. And then I do blood tests every three months to make sure I'm like on track, but um, for the most part, it's pretty intuitive eating. Is it like, a, are you on a plant, plant-based diet or? No, I eat um, meat and dairy and yeah, everything. But yeah, getting enough is my top priority. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's for sure. Yeah, because we need, we got to eat to do the things we want to do to, mm -hmm. to, you know, climb that mountain or go right. do that workout or whatever. So, and, and so uh, back to the planner, like what kind of feedback are you getting from people? Like people really enjoying that? Or are you, are you hearing some nice stories from, are people sharing with you, like how it's impacted them? Yeah. Yeah. It's been really fun the last five years to get stories. And I have an Instagram account for just the training log now. And so I do get a lot of people messaging me and I try and share if they tag me or tag the training log in a story, but it's cool to see people are like PRing using it or they hit their goal race or um, maybe they didn't, but they had like some other revelation or something that's been really cool. And um, some people have been buying it for the whole five years, which is like amazing too. They have like a collection of them now and it's just, cool to see that they support me, but also that it's something that they think is worth buying that many times over five years to help them with like whatever their goals are. Mm -hmm. um, some people it's like coming back from postpartum or just starting running for the first time or like not even running goals. Like some people, it's a non-sport specific training log. So you could use it for cycling or skiing or whatever sport you do so it's cool to see that too kind of come to life um because I do other sports too so I wanted to make sure like it would fit everything that you could want in it right and you sell that on your website right I do yeah they're sold out this year um oh. they usually sell out mm, probably April or May um because they are dated so uh -huh. yeah like a calendar uh-huh yeah but, so you got to um, bump up production. I know, yeah. Well, I got to keep the demand high and the supply <laughs> low. <laughs> okay, so limited supply. Yeah. There's 100 available. They're numbered. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. They each come signed by, uh, it's Racing Grayson, right? So yeah. <laughs> where'd you get that nickname? In college, one of my teammates called me that. And then I thought, oh, that's pretty funny. I'll do that. And that was 
maybe my first year running. So I really wasn't like into running that much at that point. Um, but it stuck and then it's a good rhyme. So people, <laughs> it's really taken off. <laughs> nice play on words. Yeah. Right? So, like this podcast, Justin Strides. Yeah. That works You'd be too. surprised how many people though think my first name is Rayson. Last name Grayson. Oh, no. <laughs> Who would name their kid that? <laughs> That'd be a pretty amazing first name, I think. Oh, you know? gosh. It kind of sets a precedent for your I know. For your life. It really pigeonholes yeah. me into things. Yeah, you better be you better be racing. Yeah. So that's uh that's pretty funny. Um yeah, and so you also sell other things on your website too. Um some like apparel as well. I yeah, we were doing t-shirts that was on gone for a run. So this year the partnership will look a little different and um, it'll be with Saucony, which will be cool. And yeah, so it'll just look a little bit different, but we're trying to get some things that we can sell some fun apparel. I really am trying to convince them to sell a unitard, like the one I wore at worlds for people to buy. Mm -hmm. Um, their own version so not nike but we'll see that'll take some convincing i think so you you were allowed to wear a team uniform kind of thing even though yeah you have to when you're competing for team usa so okay. it's like the olympics where not everyone's sponsored by nike but you have to while you're there because the event is funded by usatf okay mm -hmm. becoming a professional or is being a professional runner everything you thought it would be did you have any idea and like is it what you thought oh, in man. terms of yeah i don't even know what i thought it would be i think it pretty much is um in ways and then in some ways it's not i think there are like ugly parts to every job i think and you find those out when you're in the job um so there's been some of that but then i think i realized too it's a lot more than just running and I wanted to make it more than that for myself and realizing that that's possible. It's been cool. Cause I think kind of the generation or two before mine, like Galen Rupp kind of generation, it kind of felt like all they did was run and run fast. And that's all that mattered. And, um, they are not even like a figure in the community. Like they're kind of a legend that no one even talks to because they're so like far removed. And I think humanizing the or profession for me has been good and realizing like you can be a human and a good person in your community and still run fast. They're not mutually exclusive and you don't have to be like a monk to run fast. You can be happy and do it and live a well-balanced life. So I think that's been like a positive thing that I've learned about it. Yeah, and I find like you you were super accessible. Not everyone is, um, um, you know, at your, at your level. And I think that's that's really important too. You know, that we that you're able to share with others who are not at, at your at your level too. Like, do you find people like messaging you a lot and asking you questions and stuff? And I, I know that must, might be hard for you too. At the same time, yeah. at times. Yeah, I try and answer as many as I can as long as they're like well-meaning questions um there are definitely some that I'm like that's a block for me yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah I try and if it's like a well-meaning question or someone has a question about how to get started or 
um, what what is mountain running? I try and really answer them. And I obviously can't, I have to have boundaries too for myself because I can't spend all day on my phone. So I can't have like full conversations with everybody, but I do try and like do the best I can to at least answer, um, mm-hmm. even if it's not super lengthy or not a full-blown conversation. So let's answer that question for, for people. How do you get started? Um, yeah, good question. I would Maybe say, we'll take this on for the masses. <laughs> I kind of think it depends on where you live. Um, I know it can be hard if you live in a place that maybe doesn't have trails or trail access. Um, but I also would say, too, like it, you don't have to have mountains to run up to get fit for mountain running because all of my workouts are on the track or the road, all my interval workouts. So I don't think like you need to be doing vert all the time. That's not a focus of mine and it seems to be working. Okay. So I think if you live in a flat place, like don't panic, there's still ways to do it. Um, And like I said, if you want to train for a 10 K or half marathon on the road, I think that will translate really well to fitness on the trail. And then it would just be a matter of like getting comfortable on the terrain. So maybe you go a couple of days early or you do some trips throughout the year to a mountainous place to practice, but um, you don't have to be living in that place to get started. Mm-hmm. What is running in the trails like do for your own you know, mental health and, and wellness? It's so fun. The airplane arms again. So yeah, as long as I can keep, that at the forefront um I just like being out there and seeing stuff and like Montana's so wild which is cool and lots of wildlife to see lots of bear spray to carry um, oh yeah <laughs> yeah I think it's just cool and like seeing the places I get to race to um Patagonia and Alps and the Dolomites and places like maybe I never would have gone otherwise it makes me really grateful to have trail running in my life. Where's your favorite place to run? I really like running in Salt Lake City. I think just because it's home, so it feels mm-hmm. good. But um, yeah, and the Alps are crazy. Like they're so cool. <laughs> yeah. um, Patagonia was sweet too. That's like a landscape that's really different than a lot of other places with all the lakes and mountains. That was pretty neat to see too. Yeah, I'm living in Switzerland now, so I'm... <sighs> Yeah. getting pretty uh pretty good access to these uh these mountains hopefully yeah. this summer I'll i think just so. straight up <laughs> yeah exactly for, for um, days. yeah absolutely um so what would you say that running has brought to your life uh people first people um really good people and then i guess a sense of like that i'm doing what i'm supposed to be doing purpose um in my life too and that I'm passionate about something. I don't think I've ever been this passionate about something. So it's cool to feel that it's like feeling love for the first time or something similar where like you just feel like you're doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing when you're supposed to be doing it. And it all makes sense. And you think like you'll know when the time comes where like, do you think you'll always run or do you think if you can't do it competitively anymore, that you would kind of switch to something else? No, I think I'll always be a runner regardless of if I can race or not. But luckily, like running is a great sport because you can race until 
you're super old if you want to. Um, maybe not as an elite, but you can still race. And I think that's pretty cool. Amazing. Any last thoughts? Um, anything you want to share with people, like a message through running? Um, don't forget your airplane arms. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. I'm going to try that one uh, maybe yeah. this, as soon as this afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Grayson, it's been amazing talking to you. You got such an amazing, positive um, outlook on the sport. And I think that's not always the case. Uh, and I, you know, I wish you all the best for this upcoming season. I saw your race schedule, so that's Just great. Getting and, started, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'll get on the waiting list for the planners for next year. Yeah, coming out soon. Yeah, thank you for having me. It was great to talk to you. No problem. Take care. Thanks for tuning in to the Just In Stride podcast. I truly appreciate you taking the time to listen and I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. Please take a minute after this to rate and review our show on Apple Podcasts. With your feedback, we'll be able to make the show even better and it'll help us reach new listeners too. You can also find us on Instagram at Just In Stride Pod for all the latest episodes and updates. Of course, this show wouldn't be possible without a solid team behind me with logo and design by Vanessa Pugliese, as well as audio, music, and editing by Forrest McKay. A huge thank you goes out to both of them. Guest outreach, social media, writing, and advertising are handled by me, your host, Justin Pugliese. Finally, we'd like to thank you, our listeners, for coming along for the ride with Justin Stride.